Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom, and I'm Brother Gregory, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, is those keys to the kingdom. And we're supposed to be seeking it, we're supposed to be knocking on a door, and uh, it will be open to us. But knocking is an actual activity that we should all be participating in. That's That's reaching out to find out what the truth is, which Christ says he is the truth in the way, in the light. So... What is that? Uh, there's all kinds of 40,000 different denominations, millions of people who say they're Christians, but they're all doing all kinds of different things. Some of them opposing one another, contrary to one another, <laughs> actually uh, undoing each other's actions and fighting against one another. So, what it who is the real Christ? What is the real good news? The gospel is supposed to be the good news. What's the good news? Well, what's the news? Uh, that's uh, kind of uh, a big thing that's going on right now. Uh, we're, uh, this show is uh, being recorded. Uh, what is this? Uh, I think we're uh, almost at Halloween here. Uh, that'll be the next day, I think. Or is it today? I'd have to look at my calendar here. Yeah, I guess it's today is Halloween. I should have recognized that was all the posts that people are doing, the Facebook and that this morning about 4 or 5 o'clock, everybody was posting stuff to do with Halloween. Well, I'm not a big Halloween celebrator. Uh, Halloween is the day that somebody started uh, to celebrate, which is the day before All Saints Day, which is a day that people are supposed to remember all those Virtuous human beings who passed before us uh, fighting against injustices and dishonesty and lies and and uh, debauchery and all the evils of the world. That there were saints who stood up and said, no, I'm not going down that road. No, I'm not doing things that way. Uh, they were people of character. They were people of courage. Uh, they were people of virtue. But uh, today, such people seem to be a rarity, to say the least. But the reality is, I think there are just as many saints, maybe more saints today. But there are also just as many wicked people. And we just have a lot more people walking around on the face of the earth than we've ever had before. Seven billion, I guess approaching eight billion people. And some people don't like that. Some people would like a lot less people here. And uh, I, I'm i fine with the number of people that we have. I'm just not fine with the quality of people that we have. But I have no intention of changing it because I know that it's built into nature that those numbers will change themselves. The world goes through cycles. I had uh, a couple of days ago, there were several people that approached me and said, did you notice that the sun was hotter today than it was normally? And uh, they said, I could feel it on my skin, they said. And uh, and I don't see a lot of people, and, but uh, two people on the same day from same different sources came up with that same question. Well, of course, there was a coronal mass ejection on the sun. There's a 
large solar hole, what they call a solar hole, uh, passing across a certain part of the uh, face of the sun, and it's directed towards Earth. And uh, we did get hit by some radiation, not an excessive amount or anything, but I always remember, and I remind people of this, that Jesus said, look for signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And, of course, uh, the term stars there would include the planets. Uh, are there signs there? Well, there always is signs there. Just like, is there global warming? Well, there always is global warming. And then there's followed immediately by global cooling. And the processes of these are are very complex, but they make sense when you put all of them together. And evidently, Jesus was aware that these things way out there in space have an effect on us way down here on earth. And uh, and I, I mention it because in the days to come, we're probably going to hear more about global warming. And of course, we know that 99.9% of global warming is caused by the sun. That's where the warmth comes from. You know that every morning when the sun rises, things get warmer. But there's a certain number of people that want to tell you that there's disaster ahead and that the planet is going to stop functioning because of global warming because people are putting CO2 into the air. And there is a certain science and science data that would suggest that that might be true. But there's also a great deal of science that says that that might not be true. And there's a great deal of evidence out there that a lot of scientists, because of whatever reason, you'd have to ask them, have been fudging the data. It's not really as critical as they would like you to think. Plus, when you look deeper into it, some of the top, top scientists look into it deeper that global warming is not nearly the threat that uh, Ocasio-Cortez would have you think. And uh, yet, that panic goes on. And so somebody sent me a thing this morning, and I, I set it aside because I thought it would be an, an interesting uh, uh, segue into what I do want to talk to you about, which is the news within the news, or the news behind the news, or the truth of the news, and the lies of the news, and how it all fits together, what it really is all about. And uh, so what we need to do is is look at some of these uh, things with a little bit more objective viewpoint, because there's a great deal of emotionalism going in when we look at all this news out there in the world today. And uh, Larry Sebastian sent a a thing on uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, who was big in the news a little while ago. She wasn't as young as everybody thought she was, but uh, she was a teenager. He does this whole thing where that Greta wakes up and uh, she begins to see the world after They've done away with oil and coal and all these terrible things that are supposedly causing global warming. And uh, she was given this stage. She was a puppet of somebody who does have an agenda and does have a lot of money. I mean, she came over in her sailboat, but she went back first class in her in a jet airplane. And uh, but the reality is, is that if people like Ocasio Cortez were to get their way in the Green New Deal. Uh, life would change drastically. In Sebastian's version, 
uh, Greta wakes up and uh, there's no carpet on the floor and there's no toothbrush in the cabinet and there's no running water in the house and her grandmother just died of pneumonia because there were no drugs to treat her because they're all oil-based products and and people just don't understand how it works. You could, and it was, you know, it's satirical. Uh, but Greta really isn't the problem. The problem is the millions of Americans who are out there supporting candidates who believe in the Green New Deal and cannot think outside of what their minds have absorbed from the news media. And, uh, People should be looking at numerous news medias. If you're just watching CNN or uh, CBS or ABC or some of these main uh, channel networks, you need to look at other sources of news too. You cannot, it's like going and being a juror on a trial where you could be convicted by... (laughs) By the 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 adjudication of the trial, but only listening to one side, only listening to one source uh, of information, you cannot do that and get the right answer. If the media is biased, you will become biased as well. You have to listen to multiple sources. You have to be willing to question. What you have already come to believe to be true. And you have to listen to other people who have a different opinion. Find out why they have that different opinion. Find out what the facts are. And then when you get all that information accumulated, you have to pray about it. Somebody posted, I saw something where they were saying, wait 24 hours before you post an angry email. And then a later on they're saying 23 hours and 45 minutes until you post an angry email. <laughs> I guess they're going to eventually get down to an hour and then to 30 minutes before you can post that angry email. Why are you posting an angry email? Don't you want to be posting something that is of truth? Don't you want to be saying what is true? Well, in order to say what is true, to know what is true, to find out what is true, you have to do your homework. And uh, I saw somebody posting the fact that I, I've shown, I was astounded when I first saw it decades and decades ago, that the word that we see in the Bible that says, study to show thyself approved, the word is actually, the Greek word actually means to be diligent. It's not the Greek word for study. There's another Greek word for study. It it really is inappropriate to translate it, study to show thyself approved, because it would make you think that finding the truth is simply an intellectual approach. It is not. Seeking the kingdom is not an intellectual endeavor. It certainly it involves the intellect. Almost anything you do it will involve the intellect. But it is about being diligent to show thyself approved, to be a doer of the word. See, that, that same idea is repeated by Christ. Not just saying, Lord, Lord, saying, I believe in Jesus, I accept Jesus. You can't just say that. Your testimony has to become a part of your actions. 
that faith without the deed is dead. Without the works is dead. You have to put your faith into action. This is what saints did. This is often how they got martyred. Because at different times in the uh, history of man, the truth was not very popular. It seems to come like like the sunspots. There's a cycle. Every 11 years, there's a solar max. And every 11 years, there's a solar minimum. And we're now moving into the, you know, the sun has changed its polarity. It's reversed. North is now south and south is now north. And now we are going to be for the next several years, five years or more, we will be approaching solar max. That life works in cycles. I was once a small little child and then I was a young man and then I'm a middle-aged and now I'm an old man. Part of the cycle and now I see my grandkids and great-grandkids growing up in a world that is changing because it's in a cycle as well. And Greta Thunberg was just a little blink in that cycle. But this idea of disastrous global warming. I remember back in the 70s when the big threat was global cooling. We were going into an ice age and we were all supposed to be worried about that. And now we're supposed to be worried about global warming. We actually have very little control over that. We have about as much control over global warming or global cooling as we have over the sunspots out there in space. We don't have that much control over those events. They're going to take place with or without us. What we do have control is, well, to some degree, is what we think, what we believe. But if you depend entirely upon your intellect for what you believe, you may not have as much control as you think because... Everything that's in your mind is a product of everything you have been told or read or seen or experienced. And we are, just like Greta was manipulated by her parents and then by the media, we are being manipulated by our parents, by our grandparents, by what they did or didn't do. And by what we learned in school, if you went to public school, I never went to public school, but uh, and none of my kids ever went to public school, so they are a little bit different than a lot of other people. <laughs> but they are out in the world, and they're affected and influenced by the world. So how are you influenced by the world? By the media. And so we're going to look a little bit at what goes on in the media. I just saw a movie, somebody loaned me a... Uh, a DVD, and I saw the movie The Post. I think that was the name of it. And it's a movie that, about the Washington Post, that, along with the New York Times, was also mentioned in the movie, that took a stand for freedom of the press way back in the 1970s. I was watching the press at the time they were doing this. <laughs> this was in the days of the Vietnam War, and Vietnam War had gone on for quite a bit. I I was drafted into the military to go fight in uh, the Vietnam War. I didn't have to go and fight in the Vietnam War. Another long story. But I was observing all that and it was affecting my day-to-day life. My brothers were both drafted. Neither one had to go to Vietnam. 
they went different places. But uh, that was a big thing back then. And it came out because somebody divulged uh, secret papers, secret study, a McNamara study, that uh, was saying that the, the what that what they were telling us in the media what the government was sharing with us was not true they were lying to the american public in order to create an opinion in the minds of americans to control what they were thinking and now when this report came out that they had been lying for years about what was going on in vietnam well all all heck broke loose. And uh, people began to demonstrate even more vehemently against the war. Now, most of those people demonstrating against the war did not know what they were talking about. And most of the people that wanted to go to war and wanted to win this war in Vietnam, they didn't know what they were talking about either. And uh, it was sometimes very hard to get both sides to sit down and find out what was really going on. The news behind the news, so to speak. Well, I'll share with you some of the news behind the news and why the war really took place, which really was not contained in the McNamara studies. Because it all took place long before the McNamara studies, and they weren't going to even put that down (laughs) in the McNamara studies. You would have to talk to people who actually were the boots on the ground who were making the decision to go to Vietnam. But anyway, the Washington Post, it started back in 1877. It actually bought up other papers and uh, and continued for uh, quite a while. And it had uh, foreign offices. It was a common paper out of Washington, D.C. And it uh, had foreign offices all over the world, which most papers did not have. And it was somewhat what you would call a conservative paper for at least part of the time of its history. Graham uh, was one of the uh, people that really directed uh, the uh, paper along with uh, Eugene Meyer, who had run a finance corporation. But anyway, that is kind of the history of the Washington Post until Jeff Bezos bought it uh, around 2000, 2003. Or 2013, I think he he bought it in 2013, and then it took a completely different turn. Its political stance moved away from what it had been at one time and became much more liberal paper. There were uh, political endorsements that had come from Catherine Graham that uh, w- we didn't see in the Jimmy's World fabrication and the salon solicitation, which you can read about. Wikipedia has some stuff on that. And then the China, China Daily advertising supplements, all these things are presenting a different view of America and a different view of Americanism and a different view of the world than was in the paper at one time. Papers have a personality and that changes. But there's another paper that I wanted to talk to you about. The, uh, the paper I wanted to talk to you about is, uh, the New York Post, which has recently come out with an article about the laptop of Hunter Biden. And uh, Washington Post has a different way of looking at that story. And uh, so does a lot of the other media. And it tells you a lot about who is actually behind these newspapers and what they think. But really what it teaches you is what the spiritual motivation is 
that is becoming more and more pervasive in the media. It's not interested in just reporting the news. It's in it's interested in pointing the way you think in a particular direction. And that's not healthy for the media in general. The New York Post as a paper has changed a great deal since it, its founding. It was originally founded back in 1801 by Alexander Hamilton, who was a Federalist, and it was kind of a Federalist supporting paper, which was looking for central government. If you look at Federalists, they were looking to create a federal government. You know, prior to the Constitution, the Federalists wrote the Federalist Papers, and then there was another group writing the Anti-Federalist Papers, opposing the Constitution of the United States, because of the fact that they feared what might come of having the Constitution of the United States. They thought there were flaws and dangers in the Constitution. So much so that most Americans oppose the Constitution. That's a little revelation that most people don't know. It's just a, one of those pieces of fact. Most Americans at the time that the Constitution was put up for ratification by the states were opposed to the Constitution. They remained opposed to the Constitution even after most of the states ratified it. And by law, it was illegally ratified and put into action because all the states had already signed an agreement. They would not change the Articles of Confederation without a unanimous agreement. Not two-thirds or three-fourths majority, but a unanimous agreement of all the states. They did not have that, yet they implemented the Constitution of the United States. So it was, it was not legally ratified at that time. They coerced two states into ratifying it eventually, and they had implemented it with illegally, and they never put it to a vote of the people. Now, I'm not against the Constitution. It exists. It is there. It has flaws, uh, just like everybody in my block, everybody in my community has flaws, as I have flaws. I can live with those flaws. I can work around those flaws. I don't need to send mean, nasty, angry emails. <laughs> I just send the truth as much as I can find it. But the reality is, we the people never referred to the average individual living in America. It referred to the people who signed on to the Constitution of the United States. You know, the congressmen, the senators, uh, the employees of the United States. And the states who ratified and agreed to the Constitution, they were all part of the we the people. Nobody had a right to sign up Horatio Bunt or anybody else living on their land in fee simple in America. They didn't sign the Constitution. They didn't vote for the Constitution. They didn't ratify the Constitution. But yet, there it was. And it had very little jurisdiction over the day-to-day -day life of the people. But anyway, the New York Post was pro-Constitution because it was pro-Alexander Hamilton. And it was a very popular paper. It eventually became known as the New York Evening Post. And, but eventually, around 1976, 
if I remember right, uh, Rupert Murdoch bought the post for millions and millions of dollars. I think $30 million plus. And, uh, and he began to change the post and began to alter it as a paper. It eventually, I think it's owned by a big corporation now. I'm not sure what uh, corporation owns it. It is a very conservative paper. And while it was becoming more and more conservative, creating kind of a dialectic in the media, because most of the media from the 60s on was steadily becoming more and more liberal, even to the point of saying leftist. It, not so much in 76, but by 88, you could definitely see it. Now, 2019, 2020, it's absolutely clear that 90% of the people in media, at least 80, if not 90% of the people in media, are liberal, democratic, or leftist proponents uh, of that particular I ideology of a leftist leaning ideology so any paper that would be conservative any news outlet that would be conservative would be opposed by them would be criticized by them so i'm going to read you a story when we come back to show you some of the differences that are taking place in america today well welcome back to keys of the kingdom so there's the new york post there's also the washington post and the Washington Post was owned by Kay Graham, I guess, at that time. She was the widow of the guy who had been running it before. And actually, it was in the process of syndicating so that it would, there were stocks going to be available. The Washington Post was, and the New York Times were producing the, these papers that were the Pentagon Papers that you, or you should have heard about in history. It was history that I was living at that particular time. There has since been vast changes in these newspapers. The New York Times, the, the Washington Post, the uh, New York Post, and, uh, and uh, all of these have been moving, most of these have been moving, except for uh, some have been moving in the direction of becoming more and more liberal, uh, leftist thinking, and less and less conservative. What is really of interest, though, the real story behind all this is the censorship. Now, we just had a, a news item coming out in one paper talking about Senator or uh, Vice President uh, Biden, who's a candidate for the President of the United States. He was a senator when I first saw him uh, in the media way back when he ran for president. I remember that he was caught lying about his education and where he graduated in his class and where he had uh, studied and, and uh, what degree he's had. And, uh, and he was caught in those lies and he pretty much fell out of favor so that he wasn't going to be the president back then. Uh, well, after that, he, he continued in politics, became a multi-multi-millionaire as a senator. Nobody's quite explained how he, he got all these millions and millions of dollars. Yeah owning three, four, five different homes. But nobody looks at that. Well, if you've listened to us, we've talked about all the uh, people holding office in, in Oregon, just as an example. That's close to where I'm at. And those people serving as congressmen, senators, what have you, they're almost all felons. 
They're almost all criminals. We'll find out what happens in a few days because what they've conspired to do is change the Constitution. They've had the help of the media to do this. They're doing it with Measure 107, which comes from House Joint, uh, or actually it's a Senate Joint Resolution, signed by Democrats and Republicans to alter the Constitution under the guise of being campaign reform. We have an article up. You go look at it for our article at Preparing You. Article 2, Section 22 states that they cannot take more than 10% of the money that they uh, take in for their campaign in their personal campaign fund from outside of the district or outside of the state in which they're running for office. 70 to 80% of them are in violation. That, that number varies because there are different people running at different times. We actually have uh, you know, an actual spreadsheet that shows who's in violation and who's not in violation. Theoretically, technically, according to the Constitution, they're felons, they forfeit their office, they cannot serve in office. This is everybody from the governor to secretaries of state to uh, congressmen to mayors, everybody. They're all criminals, felons, that's a criminal, and do not, not have zero right to the offices that they're in. Yet they're voting every day to take more and more money away from the people. You can get a ticket for not wearing a mask while they walk around. I mean, this is like royalty of of uh, France just before the revolution. Uh, they walk around with impunity as known felons. Literally robbing the people. Now, my stand normally, the government has every right to tax most people. And most of the taxes are absolutely legal. They're not theft. They're the result of covetous practices. We have articles that explain why I say that. But in reality, in Oregon, you actually have an outlaw majority of people sitting in the office, sitting in the seats of Moses, so to speak, (laughs) who are criminals, and uh, they're engaged in governing the people who they are oppressing illegally with all kinds of mandates and regulations and taxations, all become illegal because... They are holding the offices that they are exercising illegally. They are in violation of that Article 2, Section 22. It's not a question. It's not, it's not like, oh, well, we have to do some investigating. No, you just look it up. They're in violation, period. So they, therefore, according to the law, they're felons. According to the law, they have no right to the office, yet they're still in there. To some degree or another, this is probably going on all the time in Washington, D.C. And I was going to go through an article by a particular individual that appeared talking about this mysterious laptop that, and the story that broke in one paper about this laptop was found that belonged to Hunter Biden. It wasn't just found. I mean, he dropped it off. He signed for it. And uh, when he dropped it off, he signed a contract with the, the, the store. And he also came back and dropped off some hard drives and uh, wanted them repaired because they were supposedly water damaged. 
and the guy did the work and then called back the number that he had left and got no response. said that they're ready and continued to call back on a somewhat regular basis, trying to get them to pick it up. But all he could do is leave message uh, information because nobody was responding to his calls. And so, therefore, he uh, finally took possession of the uh, laptop and eventually got around to looking inside the laptop to see what was on those hard drives and stuff like that because he now owns the laptop because by the law in that state, if you don't come and pay your bill, he will take possession of it. What he saw in there concerned him. Uh, I don't know exactly why. I didn't interview him. There are people who have interviewed him. I haven't seen the information, so I don't know. But it was concerning enough that he made several copies of the hard drive and turned the laptop over to the FBI. Several of the copies he gave to friends. I guess he kept one copy, and he was concerned because he believed that there was some sort of evidence on that laptop of illegal activities. I don't know if it was the videos, I don't know if it was the emails, I don't know what it was, but he knew more about it than me, and he made some judgment call to turn it over to the FBI. Nothing happened for days, for weeks, for months. He became more and more concerned that nothing was happening. He was hearing nothing about it in the news. So he contacted numerous people in government to get somebody to pay attention to the fact that this evidence had come into his hands. The only one who responded was Mayor Giuliani, former mayor, I guess, of New York City. And uh, he responded to by sending his attorney to the the store, setting up a meeting, going to the store, looking at the original contracts, looking at the data that they had, finding out who this guy was, who was the repairman at the store. He brought what information he found after spending a whole week down there, at least a week down there, according to the testimony of people who were first-hand witnesses, brought this information back to Giuliani, who broke the news out. And now, evidently, some of the data on the hard drives has been turned over to a, a variety of people, including the press, but also to police departments because of other criminal activities. Probably half of the American people don't know any of the facts about this information that came into the news. Because, and this is probably the real story. I don't know. It's a big story. It's one of the biggest stories of so far this century, in my opinion. And uh, it's suppressed by Facebook, by Twitter, by Google, all these people are playing this down. It's also suppressed and denied, not by the Bidens, but by other politicians, other Democratic politicians. Maybe even there's some Republican politicians. I don't know. I haven't done a survey. But it's very simple. Is this his laptop or is it not his laptop? He could say, that's not my laptop. He doesn't say that. Now there's people who have received the emails that are on that laptop, 
people who have sent emails to that laptop or to that are on that that they were sent to Biden, Hunter Biden, and they've come forward with their devices, electronic devices, turned them over to the FBI, turned the data that they had in their communications with Hunter Biden over to the news media, yet people are going around suggesting that it's not real, that it's some sort of Russian disinformation. Uh, Kathleen Parker of the Post wrote this story picking on the, the, the original Biden laptop story, Hunter Biden laptop story, uh, that came out of this Wilmington, Delaware computer shop. And she, she starts off her story, her article with, we are supposed to accept that Hunter Biden dropped off his laptop at Wilmington, Delaware computer shop in 2019 and never retrieved it despite probably knowing Whenever you see that word probably in a news report, that that really shouldn't be in a news report. <laughs> and, of course, this is an opinion piece, which most things posing as news today is an opinion piece. Probably knowing that its contents would ruin him and his father. Makes perfect sense, she writes. Well, that's that can make perfect sense. And if you were an actual news reporter, which Kathleen Parker really isn't, a journalist, she would know that you have to find out why did he drop it off. You would ask him the question, "Did you? is that your laptop that was dropped off? Ask other people that would know, is that your son's laptop that was dropped off? Well, the fact is, is uh, this, this story was written recently enough that she knows there's all kinds of cooperating evidence. I mean... It's amazing, somebody comes forth with a story about supposedly Trump said something in France to some people about uh, soldiers being, you know, dupes or fools or whatever. I can't remember what it was they said. All anonymous reports that people said this. And they publish it everywhere. You see it in all the media that Trump, you know, defames soldiers as stupid and foolish and all this stuff. And uh, anonymous reports say. Meanwhile, 10, 15, 20 people who were there in France who know Trump, who were on the same event, say he never said anything like that is completely outside of his character. and And they go on record saying that that is just, of course, they're trying to prove a negative. But all the other guys still remain anonymous. Well, we're anonymous. Uh, we're, we're, we're saying it, but we're anonymous. And the media spreads this anonymous. In this case, with the Hunter Biden laptop, they got all kinds of evidence. Signed documents. You know, I suppose the FBI could have fingerprinted it. <laughs> you know, and found out if it was his. There's date stamps, everything. There is absolutely nothing, according to the top investigators, say that there's any reason to believe that this is Russian disinformation. Shift comes out and says it over and over again. And people are actually already contemplating suing him for his accusations. But if you actually listen to the accusations that they're making, it's astounding because they... 
it sounds to me like so now you haven't that's not evidence it makes you know uh you being sarcastic with makes perfect sense probably probably that's not news reporting <laughs> she goes on to say we are supposed to accept that uh, there is nothing odd about the prospect that the shop owner then called the FBI. He didn't just then call the FBI. He fixed the, the computer. He could, was unable to fix one of the hard drives that were turned in, but he did fix that computer and some of the hard drives and got them functioning again and called up and tried to turn them over. He didn't just go down to the FBI with it. He... And... And... It is, we're supposed to accept. No, you're supposed to call the FBI and find out if Hunter's Biden laptop was turned over to the FBI or not. <laughs> By this guy. You're supposed to call the guy and find out, did you turn over that, to, you know, go down there and find out. But then it says, but not before making a copy of the hard drive and giving it to Rudolph uh, Giuliani. No, that isn't what happened. That's not even, it's not even factual. This is all suppose, a supposition. She says, suppose to accept. It, he, she didn't get a hold of Giuliani. Uh, the guy didn't get a hold of Giuliani until long after he had turned the things over to the FBI. He only made a copy. I think it was a good thing he did make a copy for his own protection. And so anyway, uh, it was only Giuliani who's responded. He, he contacted a lot of people. But this is this is such a big story, people were afraid of it. And so anyway, she, she goes on and, and says, uh, could happen, I suppose. Again, she uses the word suppose there twice in two paragraphs. And then the third paragraph, she starts off with, and we are supposed to accept that the hard drive purportedly contained uh, emails, which no one can verify. Why does she say no one can verify? They've been verified. They had already been verified. And the people who sent them the emails verified that they sent them the emails. And they show on their devices that they sent the emails. The facts are all right there. And, uh, but they're not reporting it. And if you try to report it, Washington Post has been censored. Other, uh, uh, papers have been, uh, censored. And, uh, in the movie, the papers that we were dealing with was the Washington Post and the New York Times. The New York Times originally broke the story. Then they were censured by the Supreme Court because somebody took it up there and said that, oh, no, or at least by a superior court. They they were told they couldn't publish anymore, which gave the opportunity for the Post to to uh, publish this and uh, the the Washington Post to publish it. So they had to make that decision knowing that if we publish this, we could go to jail. <laughs> because these are, these are disclosed documents. And, uh, they did it. Anyway. And then all the other papers in the country began to reprint the story as well. Backing them up. And eventually the Supreme Court ruled in their favor that the, uh, and when I heard the ruling, I heard it read, the Supreme Court was saying that the uh, freedom of the press is not put there to protect the governors, but to protect the governed. Well, in truth, 
in a republic, and this is how far we've come, in a truth, in a republic, the people are the governors. <laughs> Not the government. The, that we call the bureaucracy. We elect the bureaucracy. We elect representatives who create the bureaucracy. But the people are supposed to be the governors. It's a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. At least, that's what Abraham Lincoln said, quoting, he was quoting the Bible. Did you know that? He was quoting the Bible when he said that in his Gettysburg Address. What he was quoting was the Ford to the Wycliffe Bible. It said that this book, the Bible, was written for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. So, anyway, I could go on to the rest of this article. And I, I will cover a little bit more of it, because there are some interesting things. When Because she actually gets into the idea of censorship. And there's so much more to this. Most people don't get into it deeply enough. Because they're only listening. Most people don't even know what's going on. I would suspect that half the people in America do not really yet understand what was on the Biden laptop and what is evidence of the criminality that it is there. And they're trying to keep it out just until the election. Unfortunately, many people have already voted. You can't go get your vote back if you've already voted for Biden. The thing, what I was pointing out in the first part of this show is I knew Biden was a liar way back when he was originally running for president when he when he was bald before he got whatever those that must be some sort of hair transplant because he used to be completely bald but he this is politics it's show they got to make you look like this and with the help of a dishonest biased media they can make you think almost anything you want so Anyway, she gets off of the, the subject of uh, the laptop and goes over to uh, uh, Senator Lindsey uh, Graham, she says, uh, joined Trump in slamming Twitter and Facebook for blocking the article from wide distribution because that's what they were doing. Fox News, Tucker Carlson pleaded with uh, the squelchers of a free press not to ruin the country even if they hate Trump. The post was censored. They, the Twitter accounts were shut down. Uh, people were not allowed to retweet the story. Uh, and this is still going on to this day. She says, first, no free speech has been hampered by social media platforms. Absolutely, that's a lie. Twitter is not the U.S. government. The agents of some unnamed federal agency in Washington are not fanning out to close newspapers, shut down platforms, or take over television stations. That is what the First Amendment is designed to prevent. You can still find all the supposed blockbusters with just a few keystrokes, which was probably the point. No, Twitter is a platform. Your telephone is a platform. It's a communication platform. It claims to be a communication platform. The radio is a communication platform. If they shut down your radio, shortwave is a communication platform. It was illegal to send shortwave information during World War II in Europe. 
they could bust in your door and stop you from doing it. Twitter doesn't have to do that. They can just unplug you from their computers. If you start saying, sharing information, this is going on day to day, sharing information about coronavirus, about vaccines, about Hunter Biden's laptop, about the real cause of Vietnam War, you could, they could just pull your plug and you can't speak anymore. Your phone goes dead. Your way of communicating goes dead. Because Twitter claims to be a platform, they get a special exemption from being sued because they're not responsible for the contact content. If I call up and, uh, you know, uh, do an obscene phone call to somebody, I was facilitated in making that obscene phone call by the phone company. But you can't sue the phone company for what I said. You can't sue Twitter for what I say on Twitter. But Twitter is not acting like a platform. It's acting like a publisher. And we'll tell you why this is important when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom after a brief break. So anyway, uh, we were talking about this, uh, this article that came out that was originally written by Kathleen Parker that's you can just see the biasness in this. It says other news organizations, including the Washington Post, have been unable to authenticate the story uh, or even the key emails that suggested to some anyway there was a White House meeting. Well, actually, they're not working at producing the evidence of that. They are trying to squelch it and trying to disclaim it. But the evidence is becoming more and more apparent all the time. There are numerous investigations now because there's a preponderance of the evidence that is showing up. But they don't want it because they know that this information, just like the smashing of the Blackberries and the deleting of tens of thousands of emails by Hillary, shifted a lot of votes away from Hillary that would have been in her favor. Now, what what difference does this all make if we're really seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Uh, it's just events that are going on in the world today. Washington Post, New York Post, New York Times, all these media are trying to slant and skew you into confusion. Of course, I think I've even added to that confusion a little bit by, you know, who who actually wrote the original Biden story? It's Kathleen Parker is writing for, you know, uh, one paper, but she's talking about the New York Post story that is supposed to, ex- uh, that we're supposed to accept that this Hunter Biden dropped off his laptop. But she goes on to talk about the two confusions seem if I, I may be a bit overwrought, she says, she writes in her thing. First, no free speech has been hampered. Well, actually, it has been. Somebody who's on a platform has been cut off so that the story does not go out. It's the same thing that we see. Everybody probably has seen these uh, videos of of somebody who wants to give a speech like, uh, you know, some uh, some conservative wants to give a speech at a college and people come in and they, you know, 
uh, whether it's a, a psychologist or a politician or a news media person, they they come up there and they're they have an opinion that they're speaking and students start making noise and shouting and screaming and and preventing the talk from, or even demonstrating outside and hitting people and throw fire bombs and smashing barricades so that somebody can't speak. Twitter is just doing it electronically. They are doing the same thing. They are hampering the free flow of information on what they claim to be a platform. And she even says, she says, second, it is easy to imagine that the platforms such as Twitter or Facebook might reasonably hesitate to circulate such potentially consequential stories which some old-fashioned news organizations have been sounding alarms about. Well, wait a minute. They... They weren't hampering the stories that were from anonymous sources that weren't even news that dozens of people came out and said isn't true. They they didn't hamper those stories. But she calls it a platform, but her last sentence in the very same paragraph, we used to call that editing. Wait a minute. Is it a platform or is it a publisher? Is it is it editing what you get to speak? What you get to share, what you get to say, or not. If we're a government of the people, for the people, and by the people, which the United States has not been for almost a century, but if we were, if we were going by those principles, and you didn't like what somebody shared to you on Twitter, you could cut them off. All these computers come with a delete key. You can... This is what should be going on on Facebook. If you don't want to see this content, you shut it off. You don't want to see, hear from that person, you shut it off. Why does somebody at Twitter get to say what you get to hear and what you get to see? They should not have that power. But they do. And it's not because it's a private business. It's because it's been given immunity. So that it, like the phone company. You can't sue the phone company if you get obscene phone calls. You can't sue the phone company if you get people trying to tell you that you got new credit card rates. (laughs) You can't sue the phone company. You can't go after them for that. And you can't go after Twitter if it cuts you off because they say, we're just a platform. We're going to edit what you get to say and what you don't get to say. That doesn't take a complicated you know, law degree to figure out there's something wrong with that. She goes on to say in the very next sentence, in the very next paragraph, but is it editing Twitter's job? She asked that question. But is editing Twitter's job? And should big tech of all industries be deciding what Americans read and know about? She asked that question. She says, given a chance, I'd vote no. But there's no law against it. Yes, there is. (laughs) The law against it allows them to do it is the law that says they're exempt from being sued. Why can't the Washington Post sue them? Why can't the readers of the Washington Post sue them? Because you're keeping information from me that may affect not only my life, but the the lives of the whole nation. 
because of the fact that you're censoring what people say. The most likely explanation, she goes on to say, is that the bosses who run big social media platforms, having once believed they had displaced the mainstream media, have no clear idea of how to navigate in a world filled with facts, lies, disinformation, and so are making it up as they go as they go. Yes, in the past few years, Facebook and Twitter say that they have taken steps to monitor and censor egregiously offensive and unproven content. But the flow coming is far exceeds their ability to catch all the bad stuff. They can monitor. We now have the technology to monitor every single phone call in America. And we can do it electronically in the blink of an eye. If you say the wrong word, it can turn on things that will record that call and store it and flag it so that we know that you have been saying stuff about laptops <laughs> or whatever. It says, in blocking the New York Post story, Twitter and Facebook weren't shutting down hate speech. They were making an editorial judgment. Again, she uses the word editorial. They're a publisher. They're not a platform. They're a publisher. They can now be held responsible for their content. Covington boys were out there and somebody took a video of an Indian coming over and pounding a drum and uh, the boy just smiling back and not saying anything offensive or anything. Wearing a Trump hat, I guess. I think he had one on or something. But the media ran wild with accusations that the boys were doing something wrong. That they were uh, harassing this Native American. They weren't. And anyone who looked at the full video knew that that wasn't the case. They got sued for millions and millions of dollars. I don't know what they settled for, but substantial amount. And other media are being sued too because they put them in a bad light. Well, putting a candidate in a good light when he should, the fact should go to the American voter, you can be sued for stifling the flow of information, stifling free speech, keeping people from using standard media ways of communicating, getting in there and editing what people can say and what they can't say. You can be sued for that. But if you're a platform, you have an immunity. So, anyway... I'm pointing out this to show how these divergent opinions of what people think you can do and what you can't do is important because there's an actual spiritual process going on. You know, most of this censorship is almost all on the left side. You could probably find it if, if right now the right was totally in power, you would find on the far right the censorship and that would creep into the mid-range right. But right now, the left has taken over all liberal side of the media. It's taken over most of the Democratic Party with their Green New Deals, and etc. The same thing could be done on the other side, which is what I'm saying. People are going to go to the polls, supposedly, and they think they're going to decide who's going to be the President of the United States in, uh, I guess, a couple of days. And uh, it'll be interesting, you know, what if 
you know, Trump loses and Biden wins. And what kind of America are you going to have then? And what if Trump wins and Biden loses? What kind of America would you have then? What if Trump wins with an absolute landslide and the Senate and the Congress begin to shift so that it's totally Republican? What kind of America will you have then? The reality is it's not going to change the soul of America. It's just going to change the leaders. If you want to change the soul of America, you have to do something different. You have to think something different. The idea that you are going to change the course of America by putting your hand on the guy who holds the tiller and controlling who holds the tiller is an illusion. We have gotten to the place that we are at today by millions upon millions of millions of people changing the way they look at life and reality long before this election. This election is a byproduct of those changes. Those changes in the soul of Americans is rotting the change in the political landscape. Why were there so many riots in Portland? Why were there so many riots in so many other countries, uh, cities and towns and states? Uh, there were riots in other countries like France as well. Are the majority of the people rioting? What's really going on? How do the majority of the people control life? We're given the illusion that we will control the fate of the nation by our vote. That if we go out and vote, which you can do. I'm not against your voting. I'm, I'm for seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I do not want to stop you from sending an angry email by cutting off your email account. <laughs> I want you to remove the anger from your heart. You can't do that. Christ can do that. I want to... Re- you to allow your biases to be removed from your mind. I want God to awaken you. I don't want the media to awaken you, (laughs) to make you a woke person. You don't want to be woke. You want to be awakened. You want to understand and see the truth naturally because of a choice deep down in your heart, from the bottom up. That's where you need to go. So, why was the these um, this news media, Washington Post, way back uh, when the Washington Post and the New York Times were first publishing this in the 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 movie The Post, and back uh, I think it was in the 1970s. With Bob Woodward and uh, Carl Bernstein and all this stuff that w- was going on back then, and the Watergate scandal, which was where the came about right after the the original post of the McNamara uh, study. What was what was the real cause of Vietnam? I sat in the car, uh, big Cadillac. 
driving down the highway with the head of the Democratic Party in the state of Wisconsin who was involved in mining of steel and of course there's if you the only reason you mine steel is you're going to have coal fire furnaces that uh, produce steel and uh, there wasn't really a recession but there was a need for a stimulation in their economy and so he sat down with Eisenhower with lots of other people I could mention but I'm not going to mention all their names but these people behind the newsmakers behind the scenes and decided for this reason to have a series a series of brush wars in southeast asia for the purposes of stimulating the coal and steel industries that's why they we were in vietnam you could have had all of vietnam support us and turn their backs on communist china if we had just stood up for what was right and virtuous the french were abusive to the vietnamese when they were in vietnam to the native people of vietnam they were abusive and oppressive as coloners uh in vietnam before world war 2 when the japanese came in they were even worse but the japanese were eventually driven out by people like ho chi men who marched into what became hanoi with Amer- carrying an american flag because he was pro american when he drove out the japanese at the end of world war 2 but we did not support him against the suppression and oppression that was brought back in by the french when they returned after the second world war we did not support human rights what we what we called inalienable rights as a government we didn't support it and as a people we did not make our government support those principles those virtuous principles in vietnam so the vietnamese rose up with the help of the only people who would help them which was the communists which were not they they were they were not really interested in freedom either because we know what the communists were doing in china and had been doing in china you know you go back to your cultural revolution and millions millions and millions of chinese died because of the suppression and oppression of the chinese government but they were willing to help vietnam to get their foot in the door we were not we sided with the french in a way by apathy sometimes but for whatever political and financial interests so they drove out the french and now there was a vacuum and we tried to fill that vacuum but we were not really bringing the principles of liberty of human rights of inalienable rights god-given rights back to vietnam had we done that vietnam would have gone american 50,000 or whatever it was uh, american young men would not have died in that war that's why we were there 
McNamara papers were an apparition, the distraction. Now, Watergate was a distraction. Uh, the freedom of the press. These were battles by individuals, but Washington Post, New York Times, New York Post, all these different papers, they're not necessarily interested in the whole truth. So what is the whole truth? What you decide in your heart and in your mind and how you put those actions into work in your life, in your fellowship with your fellow man on a day-to-day basis is what's going to make a difference in the world in which you live. The only solution, like I said, you can go vote if you want to go vote. I mean, voting in self-defense is a reasonable thing. Same as having a gun in self-defense is a reasonable thing, especially in the defense of others, you know, the people around about you. Uh, Right now, Washington Post is owned by Jeff Bezos. And the New York uh, Post is uh, owned by that corporation that has owned it now for quite some time. They've done some shifting. But who are you owned by? Who who controls your thinking? Is it the biased media? You know, like I, I tell people, you know, you should listen to some other, you know, Tucker Carlson, I quote Ben Shapiro, I quote uh, uh, or look at uh, Glenn Beck, because there are alternative sources of information. And I have to look at all these different things to try to figure out what's going on. But really what you need to figure out what's going on in the world is to know what's going on in your own heart and your own mind. Are you approaching these sources of facts and information without bias? Well, this is why we talk and we're going to be talking about the the prophets and the minor prophets of the Bible in shows that are up and coming. But... You have biases already that came to you, like I said at the beginning of the show, that came to you from your parents and your grandparents and your great-grandparents, from your school books, from what you think you know about history. You know, if you think that we were in Vietnam to prevent the domino effect, that's insane. That's an insane concept. You have to be absolutely ignorant of what's really going on behind the scenes to think, that you're going to stop communism by invading Vietnam or bombing North Vietnam. You're not going to stop communism that way. You're going to destroy your young people. You're going to cause millions and millions of dollars worth of debt. It's the same thing like you're going to get rid of poverty with the New Deal or a war on poverty. Somebody was posting and showing how, you know, a woman finally worked her way up to a manager at the store where she worked and everything. And she got a little bit of a raise and she got some of her kids working to make a little bit of extra money. And she had to declare that and she lost all of her government benefits. I can't remember the name of the different benefit programs, but there was like rent subsidies and like WIC programs and, and whatever. And so she lost those because she had... She got this raise, and so now she couldn't afford to live where she lived because she wasn't getting the government subsidies and the raise wasn't enough. She lost more by getting the raise. And so the the people who were sharing the video were saying that, well, we need to fix this. So how are you going to fix it? 
their idea of fixing it is that they don't lose the government support when they get a raise. But you're going to have to keep changing that constantly because of inflation. Well, why are you getting inflation? Well, it's because you got to go way back to 1913 <laughs> when you created the Federal Reserve, which creates inflation. It's not the only thing that creates inflation. But when you started, people are always worried about a cashless society. You know, I mean, uh, I told you that uh, uh, the one paper was purchased for, the New York Post was purchased for like $30 million in October 2013. Jeff Bezos purchased the Washington Post for like $250 million in cash. <laughs> I don't know what other was in the agreement. Chances are there were more in the agreement. That's inflation. That's uh, that's all inflation, and that's created because you think the Federal Reserve notes are cash. If you go back in history, and you actually knew history, you would know that that uh, in in 2013 and 2033, even notes are not cash. They're called cash today, but they're not. They weren't cash. It, they were notes. They they weren't called cash. But if you don't see how they, they change the meaning of words and change uh, the way in which we look at and what that does is create bias in your mind. Now you go back and read the Bible. And Jesus says such clear things. You're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who exercise authority one over the other. But call themselves benefactors. In other words, they provide benefits by exercising authority. To covet this practice by taking away from one group to give to another group. By force. Something that John the Baptist opposed. He didn't do it by force. He did it by charity. If you, and you think you're a Christian, but you're looking to welfare. If you want to fix the problems with welfare, take it out of the hands of the government. You can start doing that right now. By actually doing what Christ said. Sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Become the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Taking care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Instead of force, fear, and fealty. Which is the way you do it through government. It's why you've become merchandise. Why you have uh, cursed your children with this billions and billions and trillions of dollars worth of debt. Because when you read the Bible, you already had biases that you believed that you believed in Jesus. When you're actually doing the opposite of what Jesus says. So once you're blind to that truth, you're blind to all the other lies. If you want to see the truth that's going on in the media and dispel all this confusion that's going on in the media and creating in the world today, you have to see the truth about the fact that you're not really following Christ. That's the good news. To know that is the good news. Because then you can turn around and go the other way. And we'll show you more about how to do that when we come back to Keys of the Kingdom. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, anyway... What what do we do in this process of seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Why is that so important? Why is voting such an illusion? Like you're 
you think that that's your salvation. That's going to fix things. If we get a different Caesar into place, that's going to fix things. It's not. It's not even going to... If you think you can study and figure out what is good and what is evil, you're already falling prey to the the strongest of delusions from time immemorial. You can't. You have, it has to be revealed to you. You have to receive personal revelations in your heart and in your mind. God has to write upon your heart and your mind. That's what it says in the Old Testament and the New Testament. For you to actually see what's going on and to be able to do something about what's going on. You're not going to fix the problem. The problem is going, there is free agency in the world today. You can't fix that. What you can fix is your relationship with God. And one of the major ways in which you do that is through the practice of pure religion, which has to do with your relationship with everybody else. Why would you send an angry email? Why would you shout down somebody so that he can't speak? Why would you cut off somebody's Twitter? I have a number of people that uh, are on my Facebook that uh, I disagree with, and I disagree with them on a regular basis. Now, I leave them on there. I don't really have time to deal with individuals all the time because I'm trying to prepare for so many other things that are going on in the world today for the people that I serve. Because being of service to others is the way in which God will hear your cry. When the people wanted to elect a leader in Samuel 8, they wanted to have a ruler who could fight their battles and fix things, a commander-in-chief. And they ended up uh, accepting Saul sworn in by the Supreme Court, known as Samuel. (laughs) So, uh, they thought that this was a solution, and God told them, no, what's going to happen, because you do this, he's going to take and take and take and take and take. if, If Trump were to win with a landslide, and all kinds of Republicans were to win with, uh, Senate seats and congressional seats and everything, they would suddenly have more power than they'd ever had before. That's dangerous. That's, that is a dangerous combination. Uh, who, who should you vote for? I have no idea who you should vote for. I know that Biden is totally dishonest and corrupt and has been so long before he was vice president. And uh, also, he doesn't seem to be capable of doing the job. I know, I mean, uh, Harris is running mate. She started out as a mistress. That's how she got into power as a mistress. <laughs> she not only uh, wanted to put and did put all kinds of black people in jail for minor offenses... Uh, she, she wanted to put parents in jail if their kids skipped class. She would absolutely be for forced vaccination. So, yeah, I, I can't say I'm in favor of those two. Uh, I mean, their, their policies are suicidal. Uh, what Trump talks about sounds better, but I, it, that isn't where the power really goes. Power is supposed to be in your hands. In order for the power to be in your hands, 
your to exercise your inalienable rights, you have to exercise your inalienable responsibilities, which takes me back to what Christ said, commanding the people sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. This is how the early church was organized, in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And I use the word church in its most general sense, which included the congregations of the people and the ministers chosen by Christ and those that were chosen by the ministers of Christ and chosen by the people. Because it was a mutual community. There was a communion. The communion was the rightly dividing of bread from house to house, the welfare. See, people are complaining that the welfare in the government is not being fair. Somebody gets a job and they get a promotion and they have to quit and turn down the promotion because they'll lose all their government benefits. So it's weakening the poor. It's not strengthening them. Well, that's what you get when you put these decisions in the hands of men who exercise authority one over the other, which Christ said you were not to do. But you're doing and still saying you're a Christian. The solution to welfare is to stop all government welfare. You probably can't do that overnight. But you can start God's government's welfare right now by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, starting to learn to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, by picking a minister who is not going to rule over your mind, but is going to rightly divide the bread from house to house and connect you with the tens of thousands of other true Christians that are establishing a daily ministration through that faith, hope, and charity. But in order to do that, you have to take back your responsibility. If your minister is not connecting you with all the other congregations, he's not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. He's just sitting down in the tens. That's not the command of Christ. Who's supposed to remove him as the minister? Who is supposed to chastise him and get him back on the right track? Is it from the top or down there where the rubber meets the road with the people? The people have to say, I want a minister who connects me with all the other ministers. I want a minister who will rightly divide the bread from house to house. I want a a minister who's not interested in his wages and salary as much as he's interested in his righteousness and avoiding unrighteousness. Who's keeping his word. Today, like I said earlier in the show, we have 80%, 75 to 90% actually, in violation of their oaths of office in the state of Oregon. In the Washington government, we have, you know, I can think of at least a, uh, two dozen congressmen and senators right now that are readily on grafting corruption. I also know that in government, they're making decisions based on how they're going to improve the wealth of those who put them into power. I also understand that the, the campaign money that they get, I mean, this is... This is where Bernie got most of his money. Is the campaign money. He did not his best-selling book. He gets to keep all that money that he's, he collected before he dropped out of the race. <laughs> 
And he actually gets kicked back all the way back. But anyway, back to what you need to do if you're going to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness or the kingdom of Rome and Caesar and Egypt and Babylon. All those that operated the same way, including the U.S. FDR was setting up a system of Corbin, of sacrifice, that was going to be for sacrifice, just like Herod the Great had done, just like Augustus Caesar had done, and you've all signed up for it, just as it was prophesied you would do, and now you've become collateral for the debt, of the United States and your children are born into that collateral debt and now you want to get free from it, some of you. Some of you will ride the waters of de- to the destruction. <laughs> and, I, and I would call to you but I, and that's what I'm doing but I can't stop you. But those of you who want to repent and go the other way, there is another way to go and it's called the kingdom of God the government of God that does not operate through force and fear and fealty. It operates through faith and hope and charity. And the more you lean in that direction, the more your eyes will be open. The more you will see the biases of the posts and times of the world and the media of the world. But you will actually begin to see what you can do on a day-to-day basis to bring you closer and closer to the kingdom. And there is reason, as as we progress in time, and as the powers that be accumulate more and more, we, see, we those of you who are old enough as I am, to see the changes in the... I mean, I mean Kennedy was a Democrat. There were a lot of Democrat leaders that were actually cared about the people. They had their immoralities. There's no two ways about it. Same as Trump has immoralities in his past. I don't, I don't want to judge the man now. But clearly he will admit he's, and he has, I've heard, made a lot of mistakes. But those mistakes are his mistakes. Your mistakes are your mistakes. And I think that is it a mistake not to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands like Christ commanded and start finding out what it's like to be a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. Because you gather not to control your neighbor, not to oppress and suppress your neighbor, not to censor his speech, allow him his chance to speak, but you become that individual soul connected in your heart and mind with God because you're listening to God through your heart and your mind and fellowshipping in a communion of righteousness in a righteous mammon with each other. That will change the course of human events. That will break the bonds which have connected you with another. That will bring you into the full armor of God and His righteousness. That's what we're supposed to be seeking, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. We were not seeking righteousness in our relationship with Vietnam. And so therefore, now actually, now that we've pulled out, they're actually kind of our allies. 
but partly because of the fact that they're in competition with China. The the reality is is that we have to think completely different than those ancestors that brought us to this state of confusion and bondage. I think America is great, but it's not because of the Constitution. America is great because there are some people here who want to see the truth and provide for it. The whole truth and provide for it. So that's what Patrick Henry, he wanted to see the whole truth and provide for it. Well, the whole truth is it is not righteous to covet your neighbor's goods through the agency of men who exercise authority one over the other for your personal benefit and gain. That is not righteous. It is not righteous to deal even in unjust weights and measures because that's what we do daily. We've come so far away from what a righteous government would look like, you can't even see it from here. But what you can see is is that Christ commanded that we sit down in those tens, hundreds, and thousands and actually live by faith, hope, and charity, caring about our neighbor as much and our neighbor's rights and our neighbor's children as much as we care about our own. And that is what the church, the ministers of Christ, are supposed to be facilitating. Not just on a local basis, but on an international basis. Because the church is separate from the state. Now we got a lot of things going on behind the scenes. I just put an article, or I just added to an article that was actually up for quite a while. And uh, it was agorism. There's a thing called free cells or something that's come up. Some, one of the ministers brought it up. And so I, I added to our page agorism at preparingyou.com. I see I already have an audio up there that I've evidently done a prep a program on it. But the section that I added just recently was a red agorist. Now, I mean, what is an agorist? A lot of people probably even wonder about that. Agorism is a, a libertarian social philosophy that advocates creating a society in which all relations between people are voluntary. Sounds like Christianity to me, but real Christianity. Because, see, in modern Christianity... Most of your relationship is not voluntary. Your parents are taken care of by men who exercise authority one over the other and force everybody else to take care of your parents. The money that it goes to you in Social Security, that wasn't the money you deposited. That's gone. That was gone before you deposited because it was you were depositing it into a system that was already in debt, was in debt from the day of its inception. So... The relationship you have with most of your neighbors, look at public school. The relationship you have with most of your neighbor is that you will send men to take your neighbor's house away from him if he does not contribute money to your public school. That's the relationship you have. Your touchy-feely relationship where you hug each other at uh, potlucks, that's a different relationship. That's that's a minor part of what is actually being done on a day-to-day basis. So you have to, now what you say, you say you love Christ, you say you love the way uh, that Christ taught, but yet you're operating according to the way Herod the Great. You're sitting down 
by the millions enforcing one another to contribute to your welfare. And you've accepted that that's okay. And to even imagine that there's another way is so far outside of your thinking, you can't even quite picture it. So when I talk about it, it's like deer in the headlight looks almost all the time. But that's where you have to go. I, I've climbed lots of mountains. I've climbed the highest mountain in the continental United States or contiguous states. I didn't go to Alaska, but I climbed Mount Whitney. And you look at it from way down there, Bishop or Lone Pine or wherever it is, and uh, it's pretty high. That looks like that's a long ways to go. But when you get up to the top, you can see Utah. <laughs> you can see all the way across that because it's pretty darn high up. But you go up at one step at a time. If you if you just say, well, that we'll never get there, and you give up, you will never get there. You have to start. Agorism philosophy, other people have added to that philosophy by further advocating that exchanges can only be made by means of counter-economics, thus engaging in, in uh, with uh, aspects of a peaceful revolution. But anyway, I'll go into all that later, but the uh, one of the things they talk about is black markets. They advocate black markets. They talk about the police as if they're the enemy. Some of the people who talk about this. and uh, But then they talk about white markets, which are the legal markets. And then they talk about red markets. And I, I never heard that phrase until I, I read about a dozen or two, a dozen articles, recent articles on agorism. But red markets are the dealing in human flesh. It says in the Bible, be careful you do not bite one another lest ye be devoured. The red markets are when you deal in human flesh. You know, we hear Planned Parenthood selling body parts, but of course slavery, that's dealing in human flesh. Most of the socialists today believe in slavery. They just don't call it slavery. They call it socialism. Socialism is when you have to work, but you don't have a right to your labor. You will, you can take, if you don't do a good job, you can take away from other people's labor. In Christianity, you have the right to take other people's labor when they freely give it. The amazing thing about all the reading that I've done about agorism in the last, uh, well, for a long time now, is that almost nobody mentions Christianity as a as an example of agorism in history. Even James Scott goes to primitive societies and, and talks about uh, the art of not being governed. And the, the trick to that is to govern yourselves. But you have to govern yourselves according to some sort of standard. But who makes up that standard? I believe nature makes up that standard. True nature. True nature as it is. Because it's the God of nature that has set all this into motion. But we don't see that God. We don't see how it operates in everything. From the sun and the moon and the stars to the voting booth to the ground beneath our feet. People, these are all connected. 
these are all a part of the same creation. But unless you're connected directly with the Creator, you will not see the process of all these things going on around about you. What's happened is that you have abandoned the way of Christ. Your modern churches have created an image of Christ that just is not so. It is not what Christ is really saying or doing. The material information is still there in the Bible. But people read over it. Now, how can you accept and be a Christian that it's okay to force your neighbor through property tax? Not that property tax is illegal. It is legal. But why are you forcing your neighbor to pay for your child's education? When I first started homeschooling, in my mind, we did it because we thought we could do a good job for first and second grade. And as we progressed, we realized we were doing a better job in all the grades. But eventually, in this process, I realized, because other information was coming in and how things work and why you own property tax and why you can be charged an income tax on your labor and sales tax. And I all wrote about this in a book, which is free online, The Covenants of the Gods. Once I understood how the system worked, and did so only because I went back and re-looked at the Bible after all my education at St. Joseph's College and in the seminary and everything. I went back and looked at the Bible now with the understanding, not only living in nature, living, seeing the law that I had a background in, seeing the Bible, going back to the original text, seeing how words are altered by everybody else around me that I I realized that I couldn't send my kids to public school because I love my neighbor. I couldn't lower the taxes on my neighbor, but I could not covet my neighbor's goods through desiring my kids to be educated at their expense. So I paid my property tax, but I did not you know, I, I I was friends with the unrighteous mammon. I paid all the income tax that I owed, that I knew of. I mean, it's sometimes hard to tell. Uh, there were times when I was tempted, when I worked really hard not to. <laughs> but generally speaking, I did that. But I also began to understand what the ch- early church was really all about. And I would say 80 to maybe 90% of the people out there going to Christian churches do not understand what Christ was establishing when he appointed the kingdom to his ministers, his his disciples. Disciples are students. They were learning to be the ministers of the kingdom. He said, I'm going to take the kingdom away from you and I'm going to appoint it to these other guys. It says that right there. Now you can go to 80% of the ministers out there and you can say, well, the church is supposed to be Israel. Because Israel was supposed to be the kingdom of God. Jesus took the kingdom away from Jews and gave it to other Jews. Because <laughs> the apostles were all Jews. But those Jews became known as Christians. And that was also, they were called, the called out, they were called out 
to be these ministers of Christ's kingdom. That's what the church is. Supposed to be the ministers of Christ's kingdom. That's what you're supposed to be doing today. People say, well, no, that's not what I was taught. Well, I'm not here to teach you what you were taught. I'm here to teach you the truth. You have to be willing to sit down and seek it in righteousness. And until then, all I can say is peace on your house and God be with you. Join us on the network at preparingyou.com or hisholychurch.org. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.